Well, you know, we've been in a series that we've called Be Intentional. And we've been focusing on what it truly means to live the life God has called us to live intentionally focused on Him. Not just kind of floating along, but being focused on what He has for us. In the first week, we talked about belonging and the importance of connecting with one another. As I said, we kicked off our life groups this past week, and it was so awesome to see all these rooms filled with people connecting together in meaningful relationship so they can better understand what it means to belong and to belong to God's family. Then last week we talked about becoming the fact that God is at work in us, to create in us his work to determine how we're called to be living for him. And we said he uses experiences all through your day to test you, to ask you questions. Are you willing to let him use those experiences to teach you patience, teach you joy, teach you faithfulness, becoming Today, we're going to look at the final word from Philippians chapter 2, and we've called it the word beyond. Beyond. You know, oftentimes I'll close the service for the benediction. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can ask or imagine, beyond what we could even dream. And you see, what we're going to talk about today is that God has something that he wants to do in your life that's beyond what you can imagine, that's beyond your boundaries, beyond what you think your borders are. But the question is, what walls do you put up to keep yourself back from receiving what God has for you? So I invite you to take your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen or your electronic device. In honor of God's word, can we stand as I read together this passage of scripture as you follow along? Philippians 2, starting in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest and not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself Will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him. But on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him. Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, 
and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, you read this passage of Scripture, and you just finished a section in Philippians 2 where Paul has given this great doctrinal treatise about Christ leaving heaven, coming to earth as a servant. And now it seems like he's given a travel log in regards to saying who's going to come, who's sending him. And we need to understand Paul had a purpose to this. He's writing about two servants, two people that he had poured his life into, Timothy and Epaphroditus. You need to remember, Paul is in prison in Rome. He's coming to the end of his life, and he's writing to these believers in Philippi, which was a church that he himself had planted. And now he says to them, look, I'm sending you this letter by Epaphroditus, and Timothy is going to come. But I'm here in Rome, I'm in prison, but I've got some truths I want you to grab a hold of. How is it that Paul was able to focus that direction? Here's why. He had a perspective bigger than himself. He had a perspective bigger than what he was going through because Paul was on a mission. Paul was on a mission this past week at a great opportunity to talk with someone who came by with questions about what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And as I was sitting with this individual and sharing the gospel with them, it was so exciting for me to see their eyes open up and light up and understand it was not anything they had to do, but to fully receive what was done for them by Christ on a cross like this. And I sat there and I finished, I walked out and I thought, yes, this is what we're here for. We're on a mission to help people understand your sins have been paid for. Christ died for you. He buried and was buried and came back to life. And to see someone's eyes open up wide, for me to be able to connect them with the life group, for me to be able to give them a Bible and give them an assignment to start reading through the Gospel of John so I could get back with them and sit and help them understand the freedom that comes in Christ. I thought, God, it doesn't get better than this. Because that's what we're here for. See, Paul was on a mission to point people to Christ. So he looked beyond. My question for you today, what's your mission? What are you here for? What is it that God wants to do in you and through you? And what holds you back? The first thing we find in this passage of Scripture, if you're going to go beyond that Paul is talking about here, you've got to look beyond your circumstances. You've got to look beyond your circumstances. Look at verse 20 and 21. Paul says, I want to send you Timothy, for I've got nobody like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest and not those of Christ. What Paul is saying is, I want to send Timothy to you because Timothy is an example of someone who looks beyond his circumstances, who puts others' needs ahead of his own. 
He, Timothy is one who focuses not on wallowing in what he's going through, but instead looks beyond and says, what does God want to do in me and through me? Let's be honest. Life sometimes just stinks. It is so hard. It is so difficult. That's why I love coming to celebrate recovery on Thursday nights and hearing the testimonies that we heard this past week of men and women who are dealing with their hurts, their hang-ups, and their habits and not sitting in those circumstances but saying, here's what God is teaching me through it. Here's how he's teaching me. Here's what he's choosing me to do so I can go above my circumstances. How do you do that? First off, you've got to have faith that God is in charge. You've got to have, choose to have faith that God is in control. And secondly, you've got to choose to surrender that you're not in control. One of the first things you've got to grab a hold of is you're powerless. You're a powerless, and you're in a situation you need his power in your life. If you're going to give and live beyond your circumstances, you first have got to have faith he's in control. But then you've got to surrender that you're not in control. But then there's step three, which is so hard. You have to persevere through it. You have to persevere through it, and that is so hard. That's why we need to belong, to connect with others, so we can become what God wants us, and we can look beyond. See, Jesus said, you will have trouble. You will have difficulties. But here's the rest of what he said. But, but, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. See, Christ said, you will have trouble, you will have trials, you will have difficulties, you will have hardships, but be encouraged. I have overcome the world. My niece is a freshman at Liberty University, and so she went off to school, and she got down there at Liberty and felt like she was at a Christian Disneyland in regards to how big the whole campus was and what was going on. And she called me this past week because it was her birthday and she was homesick and was away from home for the first time. And she said, oh, the schoolwork is so hard and I don't know if I can get through it. I don't know if I can make it through. Then she's having physical problems with her knees so she can't get around the campus. And she was just feeling it all coming on top of her. And she said, Uncle Dick, I just need to go home. I just need to quit. I just need to give it up. She said, what should I do? I said, don't quit. Don't give it up. He says, Uncle Dick, you're not helping me. And I said, I know, but I'm telling you the truth. You have to persevere. And that's hard. But we're here for you. We're praying for you. We're here. Just text me when you need to talk and, and, and you have someone beside you to be able to get through it. And then this week I got in touch with her and said, How's it going? She said, Oh, it's going great. It's all going great. And I said, That's awesome. See, what happens is this. We have to all go through those situations. Our circumstances typically are horrible. They are. But if we wallow in it, if we just focus in it, if we just live in it, we're going to miss going beyond. we got to look going beyond our circumstances. Scripture says, you will be tempted. You will be tempted. 
but God is faithful. And with the temptation, will always provide a way out. See, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's difficult. But God is faithful. And he will provide a way out. You want to live beyond? You got to choose to live beyond your circumstances. Second, you have to choose to live beyond your comfort. Look at chapter 2, verse 25. When talking about Epaphroditus, Paul said, I thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. Go down to verse 29. Receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus is bringing this letter, but it says Epaphroditus was so sick, he almost died. But you know what happened? Epaphroditus said, I'm going to go beyond my comfort to fulfill the mission, to fulfill what I had to do. How often do I hear from people, well, you know, I would do this for the Lord, but I'm just not comfortable. I'm just not comfortable. And I, when I'm in my comfort zone, then, then, I'll, then I'll step out and trust him. Listen, you're never going to grow if you stay in your comfort zone. You're never going to grow to what God wants you to be and to do if you stay in your comfort zone. I thought about a few years ago. We got a call from our middle school here in Ewing that they were doing a, a, a program in the middle school that was going to involve all the middle school students and they needed the pastors to come in and be involved in this whole week program. It was a relationship building program that kids were sharing issues they were going through and what was happening. And I thought, honestly, I just want to send my youth pastor. I don't want to go because I'm old. These are middle school kids. And I thought, what am I going to do? And I was scared spitless. I am being so honest with you. And I prayed it through, but I knew God was telling me I had to go. And so I went into that gym, and here's all these middle school students there. And I was so freaking scared. I thought, what am I going to say to them? How am I going to connect with them? How am I going to relate to them? Then, as a day went on and they broke these students up into groups and I had a chance to sit in a circle with boys and girls who opened up and shared their pain shared their concerns shared what they were going through in their home and all they were looking for from me was a listening ear and a caring heart, and someone who showed them they mattered. And I'll tell you something. That week of ministry will go down in the books as something I will never, ever forget. And I would have missed it if I wouldn't have stepped out of my comfort zone. See, if you want to go beyond, you got to be willing to go beyond your comfort zone. Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church in 
just someone I appreciate his ministry so much. He has this great quote. It's worth you taking a picture of. Your life is too valuable. Your calling too great. And your... Your God too awesome to waste your life on what doesn't matter. See, God wants you to go beyond, beyond your circumstances, beyond your comfort zone, so he can do something that only he can do because then he gets the glory for it. John Ortberg, pastor in California, wrote a book a number of years ago and said this statement. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. See, you got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. A, a butterfly in a cocoon struggles to get out. But the worst thing you could do if you, if you saw that butterfly trying to get out of that cocoon would be to cut that cocoon open and let the butterfly out before it was ready. Because then it would just fall to the ground and be crushed. But see... God wants us to go through those struggles so we can become stronger. So our faith becomes deeper. So our trust becomes more of a foundation. Living beyond is to live beyond our circumstances, to, to live beyond our comfort. I thought about the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. We always talk about, you know, Abraham had faith, and Noah had faith, and David had faith, but then there's this section in Hebrews 11 that says, but there were some who were tortured and now released. Some were suffered, suffered through mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. Some were stoned. Some were sawed in two. Some were killed with the sword. Some went around living in sheeps and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Some wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All of these were commended through their faith, though they didn't get what was promised. Why? To remind us... We got the promise. We got Jesus. And he is the promise. And they persevered without having Jesus. But we got the promise. See, it's choosing to live beyond your comfort zone. It's choosing to live beyond your circumstance. But the third thing that Paul talks about here, and this is going to be the toughest for some of you, it's choosing to go beyond your circle. Beyond your circle. It's to step up, to step out, and to step in to somebody's life. Look what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2. To Timothy, again, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, in trust of faithful men, stop. The term men here literally means men and women, like mankind. In trust of men and women who will be able to teach others also. Paul, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, be strengthened. In this letter, 2 Timothy, it's at the end of Paul's life. He's saying, Timothy, be strengthened by the grace 
that is in Christ. What is grace? Grace is God's gift to us. Grace is God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Grace saves us, but grace, the gospel, also empowers us to get up each day and say it's not up to me. It's up to him. It's not up to me. I don't have to compare myself to others because I'm totally accepted in him. I love that song that Emily taught us today. Telling the devil, not today. Not today am I going to allow myself to get caught up in a situation where I'm comparing myself to someone else. Not today am I going to allow myself to fall into the pit. Not today am I going to allow myself to be discouraged and not step out. Not today. Because I'm going to remind myself who I am in Jesus. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, be strengthened in the grace that is found in Christ. And when you do that, it fills you with energy. It fills you with power. It fills you with encouragement. Because it's not up to me. It's up to him and connecting with him. But then he says, look, Timothy, the stuff I've taught you, pass on. To others. It's being an, what I call an I squared follower of Christ. What do I mean by that? It's someone who's a person of irresistible influence. Someone who chooses to be someone who will step out of their circle to reach someone else. Here's what I mean. It is so easy. Listen to me. It is so easy. After a service, because you haven't seen everybody all week, to go up to your friends and spend all your time with your circle, with your circle of your friends. But in the meantime, there's people who come here to a service who are new, who, who are on the outside, and they're watching all these little circles take place, and they're like, does anybody even know I'm here? Can I give you a challenge to step out of your circle and go up to someone and just introduce yourself? Say, hi. <laughs> and introduce yourself. Yep, I say, well, what if, what if they say, you know, what do you mean you're introduced? I've been here for a long, long time. Who cares? Introduce yourself to them. I do it all the time. And people say, you've met me three times before. I said, sorry. It's the way it works. You all know who I am. I'm the guy up front. And I'm supposed to remember 650 of your names? Not going to happen. Not today, it's not going to happen. So if I come up to you and say, hey, and you say, well, you've already met me four times. Even last week you met me. Prayed for me by name. Yeah, I know. I'm old. I forgot. Sorry. But you see, we've got to be willing to step out of our circles. Step out of our circles, because here, here's the cool thing. Watch this. If we take 500 people here on a weekend, that's conservative, 500 people, and every one of us chose to reach one person, just one, to disciple. You say, oh, what's that mean? It means to share what Jesus is doing in you with them. To, to put your, put, stand next to them and say, hey, you know what? 
I want to help you as you're seeking to walk with Christ. Because we all need each other. Can I have any amen to that? We all need each other. It's not a Lone Ranger sport. We need each other. If all 500 of us chose one person, then we go from 500 followers of Christ to 1,000 followers of Christ. And if those 500 just reach one, we go from 500 followers of Christ to 1,000 followers of Christ to how many? 1,500 followers of Christ. It's too early for me to do the math as I'm preaching, all right? 15, see, see what Paul is saying here is this. You want to live beyond? You got to choose to live beyond your circumstances. You got to choose to live beyond your comfort zone, but then you got to get out of your circle and reach somebody else because then in turn they can reach someone else and it's the law of multiplication. It just keeps multiplying and multiplying then you'll have fulfillment and purpose and joy. See, we're going to close with a song right now that says, give me faith to trust what you say, that you are good, and I can put my confidence in you. See, God calls us all to live beyond, beyond our circumstances, beyond our comfort zone, beyond our circle, so we can be intentional about seeing God's kingdom spread. And it only takes you reaching out to one, and that will make a huge difference. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this letter. Thank you for the encouragement it is that we have a purpose. We have a plan to fulfill. Give us the faith to trust you, to follow you, so that others can be encouraged, others can be equipped, others can be motivated to follow after you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I feel like God is burdening me right now that there could be people here right now who don't even know what it means to trust Jesus as your Savior. And I want to give you a chance to do that because it starts with trusting Him first. By admitting you're a sinner, by believing He died in your place, was buried and came back alive, and trusting Him and Him alone is your ticket to eternal life. Not just to life in heaven forever, but a life of joy and peace now because he's come to give us life and to give it more abundantly. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it could be some of you don't feel confident enough to pray this. So I want us all to pray it out loud together and just to affirm what we believe. Pray after me, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. He came back to life for me. Come into my life. Take away my sin and make me your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just thank God for the privilege of following after him? Let's stand together. Let's worship him, saying, Lord, give me faith to trust what you say.